You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. If you were here last week, uh, you know we had Compassion Sunday. And if you weren't here, uh, <clears throat> you missed an awesome week. We had uh, Compassion Tables up front where you could grab a uh, Compassion Kid. But we had Cecilia, who is a former uh, Compassion Child herself, grew up in Kenya and is now a geophysicist, like someone incredibly smart, something complicated that I, she tried explaining it to me. I couldn't understand. Um, and what she does that in Memphis. And it was, it was an awesome week. And I just wanted to let all you know that we're here an update. We had our goal um, that Compassion had said, hey, a church your size, uh, 75 is a great goal for you guys to shoot for. It might be a little high, but but we're shooting for it. And <clears throat> I just texted our, our contact, say, hey, did we get any text to sponsors and so forth, and just found out. So we totaled um, 91 children. Isn't that awesome? And um, what... What I love most about that is not a set number, but just think, in the next week or two, there's 91 kids that are going to get a letter at their little hut, at their little project, at um, their, their row of houses with a tin roof, and they're going to get a letter that says, you are welcome to come to the Compassion site this week. That, that's going to say, hey, we're covering your, your uniform and your school tuition from now on. That's, they're gonna, there's going to be 91 mothers that are going to get a letter that says, your child is going to get receive food and medical care, and there's 91 kids that are going to learn about Jesus. So thank you, guys. That is awesome. I'm so excited. So uh, if you will pray with me, we're just going to pray for those kids right now, and then uh, we'll get right into this new series that we're about to start. God, I just lift up um, these 91 kids, Lord, these families that are going to be impacted. Um, this is going to be a relief for the parents to know that there's somewhere the kids can go uh, while they're working, that there's someone that they know their kids are going to get food or going to get medical care. God, there's 91 kids that are going to be able to have opportunities to complete their education to better themselves. God, there's 91 kids that I pray are going to learn about you and that we'll see someday in heaven. God, we lift this up. We lift up these kids and these families. Thank you for those that are in this room and, and in second service and, and elsewhere that, that have made this difference for these 91 kids. God, we lift this up in your name. Amen. So uh, we're starting this new series, and we're going to be looking at, the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at one of the kings of Israel. And if I was to say, hey, we're going to look at one of the kings of Israel, you'd probably assume David or, or Solomon, and it's not them. If I was to say, hey, we're looking at someone that's noted in the Bible for trusting God, we, we might think of Abraham or Paul, and it's not them. We're going to think of someone that was a great leader of the people of Israel. We think about Joshua or Moses, right? and it's not them. We're going to talk about someone that's got great character and that has great flaws. And then you might think of another Bible character. It's probably not them. We're actually looking at Hezekiah. 
one of the kings of Israel that, that you might have never heard of, you might have probably never spent much time studying. His story is just a few chapters in the book of Second Chronicles and the book of Second Kings, but it's a story that I think over the next several weeks you're going to be able to relate to in many ways. That we're going to be able to see this keen Hezekiah and, and think, are they taking a page out of my life? Not necessarily about being a king of Israel, but about his struggles and about his faith. About the good and the bad. And we're going to be looking at him. We're first introduced to Hezekiah. I'll give you a quick, quick verse as we were first introduced to him in 2 Kings chapter 18. It says, in the third year of Hosea, son of Elha, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. I'll get and tell you briefly a little bit about the story of Hezekiah. What we're going to look at over the next several weeks, Hezekiah was one of the kings of Judah who was constantly aware of God's direction and of what God had done for Israel in the past and what he could do in the present. Hezekiah says that he was a good and right and faithful before the Lord his God, which is a very different description than many of the kings that had come before him. Hezekiah's story, like I said, is told in 2 Kings uh, 16 through 20, in 2 Chronicles 28 through 32, but he's also found in Isaiah. He's mentioned in Proverbs, Isaiah 1-1, in the book of Jeremiah, in the book of Hosea, in the book of Micah. He's mentioned all throughout the Old Testament. He was the son of a very, very wicked king of King Ahaz, who reigned over the southern kingdom uh, of Judah for 29 years. So to give you a glimpse of what's going on in the world during this time, uh, just to have an idea, the first coins are being used as a set weight and material for exchanging of goods. And uh, there's a legend of Corbus, a cook, who, was, who won the only event in the very first recorded Olympics. And in Japan, Jumu Tono invades Japan, and he takes over, and he becomes the first emperor of Japan. So I share that just for you to have a glimpse of what's going on out in the world. The, the Greeks are going on. The Japanese are, are, are growing strong. Coins are being used. And back home in Israel, to give you a glimpse of the history of Israel, we had the Israel, which is uh, the nation under David, right? We know about that, and then David hands it down to Solomon. And then after Solomon dies, Israel has a civil war. And it separates, and the ten tribes go with the north, and two tribes go with the south, and they become what is known as Judah. And so there's a new king over the north, and a new north, which is called Israel. There's a new king over the south called Judah, and then they have a series of kings. And the north pulls away and further and further away from God, and is eventually taken over in 722 by Assyria. The south. The southern two tribes, which has Jerusalem as their headquarters, as their capital, continue to drift away from God, and then they have a king that will occasionally bring them back. And that's where we find uh, Hezekiah, the 13th king of the southern kingdom of Judah. Hezekiah begins his reign at just the age 25, and he's zealous for the Lord. He's, ex he's passionate for God. And we're going to see that this is not what's expected of Hezekiah. 
After Ahaz's wicked reign, uh, there's much work to do in Israel to bring the people back to God. And, and Ahaz steps up and, and does this. And he, he tries to bring the people back to God. He, he brings back the temple and he opens the temple doors. He, he brings back the, the Passover celebration. He, he does so many things to bring people to God. He has a heart for the Lord, but he also has a heart to bring the people of Israel to the Lord. The scripture says uh, of this of Hezekiah, he held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands of the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him, and he was successful in whatever he undertook. There was a big crisis that we'll, we'll come across in a few weeks where the king of Assyria comes down and he's already captured the northern kingdom. He's captured many nations around and he comes and he's about to take the southern kingdom as well. He lays siege around Jerusalem and, and he's yelling out at Jerusalem and, and Hezekiah turns to the Lord in a passionate prayer. And in that prayer, and because of that prayer, God speaks to the, the prophet Isaiah. You guys know the book Isaiah. And so he speaks to Isaiah, and Isaiah tells him, it's going to be okay. He says, now the Lord our God, deliver, or uh, Hezekiah prays, now the Lord our God, deliver us from his hands, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. I love that prayer because it's not to give Hezekiah glory or even just to save him, so that people will know that you are God. And God is faithful. It says, That night the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, they were all the, there were all the dead bodies. So those that were still alive quickly flee, and Hezekiah and the people of Judah are saved. Later on in Hezekiah's life, he gets deathly ill, and he's, he's at his deathbed, and, and he prays to God. Give me a few more days. And God hears him and gives him 15 more years. Then we see later Hezekiah goes and, and has a sin that many people fall for is the sin of pride. And he brings in the convoy from Babylon and says, look at all that I have. And, and eventually Babylon says, wow, they got a lot. Let's go take it. And so we see that Hezekiah, even though he's a great godly man, has his own flaws. The story is of this king that's just in a few chapters in Chronicles and a few chapters in Kings. It's an amazing story and the one that I think we can connect with. One that today, maybe some of you are going to connect with more than you know. If we look a bit at Hezekiah's ancestral line, I'll give you a few verses here as we get to know about his ancestors. We start with a Amaziah, uh, who was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Jehoadana. She was from Jerusalem. She did what was right, and he did what was right in the name of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. There's a key there. Those talks about each of the kings. It says some of them do what is right in the eyes of the Lord, and some of them follow the line of David. Those are kings that are pretty good. And then there's some that say they didn't follow the eyes of the Lord. They didn't do what David would. You know the, the author is telling us those kings are the bad kings. But this king, his great-great-grandfather, says, yeah, he, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not with his whole heart. That he just kind of got by. That he was one of those people that says, yeah, yeah, I, I believe in God, but it wasn't part of who he was. 
It wasn't in the fabric of his decision-making. It wasn't any desire to bring Israel to the Lord. And so if you're reading through those books, you'll see that Israel begins with his great-great-grandfather begins to bring in altars to other gods into the land of Judah. So then we get to Hezekiah's great-great, to his great-grandfather, Uzziah. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. Man, I was barely able to drive a car, and he's and he's running the whole place. And he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jecoliah. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaz, uh, Amaziah had done. The author makes a point for us to know. Yeah, he followed God, but it was just like his daddy. There wasn't a passion. There wasn't a wholeheartedness. He never brought people closer. And as you're reading through Chronicles and Kings, we'll see that while the, his great-grandfather brought in idols, or brought in altars, this grandfather allows idols to come in to Judah. They're no longer worshiping Yahweh alone. Now they're worshiping Yahweh and the other gods from surrounding countries. Then we get to his grandfather, Jotham. Jotham was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. His mother's name was Jerushah, daughter of Zadok. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Uzziah had done. But unlike him, he did not enter the temple of the Lord. The people, however, continued their corrupt practices. So here's his grandfather, who still follows God, but knows it gets slowly worse and worse and worse. Now his grandfather doesn't even go in the temple of the Lord. Earlier they were just following Yahweh, and and then great-grandpa allows them, well, we'll bring in some other altars for the other gods. Then great-grandpa brings in idols, and and now grandpa says, yeah, we're going to worship these other gods. And he doesn't even go and worship Yahweh anymore. Then we get to Hezekiah's dad. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Unlike David, his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. It's the first time we see someone not following, doing what's right. Ahaz was a bad guy. Ahaz is a bad bad king. If you read the stories of Ahaz, we will see that Ahaz uh, brings people away from God, that he closes the temple doors and bolts them shut, that he takes all all the gold and all the things that were in the temple and he breaks them up apart. And he begins to bring idol worship. He goes on a, to another country for a, a, a little visit, and he sees a different altar and a different God, and he reports back to his priest, his priest that should be pointing him to Yahweh, and says, we're going to start worshiping this God. And they begin to build a temple for that God in Jerusalem. That he sacrificed his kids to the, to the God Moloch. He did all kinds of horrible things. This is Hezekiah's lineage. Anyone following along, anyone watching uh, a commoner in, in Judah would see this progression of decline of following God. And you would naturally assume Hezekiah would follow suit. Oh, this is Ahaz's boy. What's he going to bring us to? This is Ahaz's boy, and Ahaz is a messed up, mean, horrible man. Son's going to be just like him. He had these testimonies before him, Ahaz did. You, you, see, the, the, you see someone with a life not living with God in Ahaz. 
Or he sees in his grandfather and his great-grandfather and his great-great-grandfather these the pseudo-relationship with God. That where they it's almost by name, by title, but not a relationship. And we're gonna see Hezekiah, who has a life passionate about God. I think in, in our society, there's those three categories as well, right? There's those people that have no relationship with God whatsoever. Do you know that they're, they're at your work or in your school, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe in your family? That's someone that doesn't want anything to do with God, and they're perfectly content living aside from God. Maybe they're horrible people like Ahaz, or, or maybe they're not even that bad, but they're content not connecting with God in any way. And then there's some people like Hezekiah, and maybe you know those at your work, in your home. Maybe you're one of those that are passionate about God, that are pursuing God and bringing others to them. Hezekiah goes and brings all of Israel to the Lord, and we'll see he opens the temple and reinstates Passover, and everyone comes closer to the Lord because of Hezekiah. You know those people in your life that you just feel closer to God when you've spent some time with them. And then... There's his grandpas and great-grandpas. There's those pseudo-Christians, the, those people that are saying, I'm a Christian by name. right? Maybe even I, I go to the church just to check off a box on Sunday morning, but, but you're not living that way. You're, you know those people that at work or at school or at home, or maybe yourself that you say I'm a Christian, but I'm not living it. I'm not living a life. I, I, I'm, I'm this pseudo-Christian that, that I believe in Jesus, but no one would ever know that. They're not, his grandpa and his great-grandpa didn't do anything to bring Israel closer to the Lord. And there's many Christians today that are not bring, doing anything to bring others closer to the Lord. So there's Hezekiah. He has the opportunity, and he's now king. Is he going to follow the way of his father and turn away from God altogether, the way of his great-grandfathers, and, and just follow God by name? And Hezekiah does something completely different. And we're going to see over the next several weeks, he brings others to the Lord. And I think about that in our life. We have this option. Or we could turn away from God altogether, which, which is probably not the case for many of us as, as we're here on this, in this room on a Sunday morning. Or what might be the case is the pseudo-Christians that we're Christians by name and, and we do some things to check off a box that says we're Christian, but, but we're not living it at work or at home or at school. Or there's those that are like Hezekiah that are going to be so on fire for God that are going to be over able to overcome the past and bring others to the Lord. So Hezekiah had to make a choice of who he was going to be. Was he going to be like his grandfather's? Was he going to be like Ahaz, his father? Or was he going to be different? Ahaz came from a rough home. He had a horrible dad who did some horrible things. He had other siblings that were sacrificed to a god. It, to say that he had, had parent issues would, would be a clear understatement, right? But Hezekiah had to overcome that. Might be some of your story. I don't know, some of you have, have some rough childhoods. That there's stories of, of parents that, that neglected or maybe even abused. Or maybe just stories of, of an absentee mother or father. 
There's this uh, history that you have to overcome just to be able to step forward and, and to say that God is my father, a loving father, might be really difficult because the only father you've ever known was far from loving. The story of Hezekiah might hit home for some people in this room. But it might hit home even, even closer that maybe your, your home life wasn't bad, but that there's this past. Just like Hezekiah had the past of his father and his grandfathers, but there's a past that, that you have to overcome. A past that maybe even you created. A past of the decisions you made before you began to follow Christ. Uh, a past of mistakes we've made. A past of, of that, that affair or that abortion, that relationship, that betrayal. That addiction, that, that, that computer that I can't seem to turn away from, that, that fight that changed everything, that, that relationship that wasn't healthy. That we have this past that we can't seem to overcome. That you see this trickle down from generation to generation in Hezekiah's life, that, that the past seems to just get worse for each generation. And maybe we have something that, that's holding us back from our walk with God. We read another story now in the New Testament about a lady. And I picture her, tears are running down her face. All, all kinds of fear is just filling her mind. There was some pain, there's embarrassment. She's hardly clothed and she's just been dragged out of, a, of an awkward situation. And now she's in the temple before the religious leaders, before this new rabbi named Jesus. And she's half naked and she's, been, she's probably been beaten along the way of this journey. She's filthy because she's fallen down and tears are running down her cheeks. She knows her actions were wrong and, and that there was consequences for them, but she still followed through with those actions, possibly time and again. And now she has to face those consequences. The story we have is in, in John chapter 8. It says that Don, he appeared, talking about Jesus, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law of Moses commands us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis to, for accusing him. Here's, here's this woman, and, and she knows the mistakes she's made. She shouldn't have been sleeping around. She shouldn't have been with him, but she still was. She knows her past and the decisions she's made and the, what led to those decisions. She knows the, the rough home that she came from and the lack of love that she ever got from her parents. And so she's searching for love wherever she can find it, even in the arms of the wrong man. She knows this was a mistake, but, but she still did it. And now she knows what's coming. Stoning. Death. It says, but Jesus bent down. And started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. 
but neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, now go now and leave your life of sin. Love this story. Because she has this history of sin. We know in that moment, but we don't know how, off, how far back that story goes. And she has this baggage that she's carrying. She's got this history that she's carrying. She's got pain and embarrassment and, and, and sin that she's carrying with her. And Jesus says, go now and leave your life of sin. Saying your past is behind you. Your sin is forgiven. Now go and focus on what you have before you. Focus on pursuing God. It didn't matter what others thought of her. It didn't matter that these religious leaders brought her in and, and saw her as an adulterous woman, saw her as sin, saw her as trash. Jesus saw something different. And when we think about our baggage and our sin and, and the things that we carry with us, our past, and others might see us as, as that, and we got this glaring neon sign on our forehead declaring all the mistakes we've made. Jesus sees us. He says, go. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. We become new. 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Hezekiah had to overcome the, the, his history of, of his ancestors. He had to overcome the background that his dad had established of being a horrible king, of, of turning away from God, of turning the people away from God. For this woman, she had to turn away from the, the background that she had brought, the baggage she was carrying when she met Jesus. But their life was changed when they decided to follow him. For Hezekiah, we're going to see, he does so much for the people of Israel, and he changes the way, and he brings people closer to God. We talked about three different people, those passionate to follow, to follow God and bringing others to Christ. There's like Hezekiah, there's those that have no desire to follow Jesus, like Ahaz. And then there's those that are kind of follow partly. Those pseudo-Christians kind of have a relationship with God. That you believe, but you're not really sold out. You're a Christian by name, but, but not by life. I think this is where many struggle of people that are struggle to let go of the past. Because Satan uses our past to constantly remind us, you're not good enough, you don't deserve this, you, you made these mistakes, why would God want you, why, why would anyone look to you, why, why would people draw closer to God, they know who you are. And Jesus says, go, I no longer condemn you, go and sin no more. Because of his death on the cross, our sins are forgiven. So what does our future hold? When we look at the past, we're no longer the same person in Christ. Look at the blind man he couldn't see. And as he met Christ, he was able to, to now be able to see all before him. The deaf man couldn't hear, and now he could hear everything. We see constantly, I assume, I would think that this woman was living a life of sin. I can't help but think that she begins to follow the one that loves her and forgives her. We see Hezekiah turn from his family history 
and follows God and points the people of Israel to God. The past doesn't determine our future. And that might be a message that some people here this morning need, that you brought with you baggage, you brought with you sin, you brought with you this burden of mistakes made. And this morning, I, I pray that you can let that go and that you can look forward to a future that's not determined by your past. For Hezekiah had a long history of a past that was not pointing towards God. And he made a choice to change that and to follow God and, and to lead the people of Israel to him. Time and again, we see meet people that met Jesus and changed from what was their past to a new future. And so this morning, if you're carrying a lot of the past, I want to encourage you to let that go. That even if that past was yesterday, these sins, these addictions, these mistakes we're making, let today be a turning point where we became sold out and on fire for God, where we pursue Him with everything we have into the future. If you'll stand and pray with me. God, I just pray for each one of us here. We all have, have a past. We all have those mistakes that we've made, those things we regret, those areas in our life that Satan is trying to point out to us. Perhaps it was brought on, on us from an outside source, from family history or, or things that were beyond our control. And yet Satan uses those to say, you're no good. Perhaps there are mistakes we brought on ourselves along the way. We're reminded that God let us remember that Jesus has forgiven us. That our past doesn't determine our future, but that we are to, to follow this example that Hezekiah lays before us of following you. No matter what our past is, that we would make a choice to follow you. And God, I pray that, that this room will become full of people that are not pseudo-Christians, but are people that are passionate, that others would be able to be drawn to you through our interactions, through our conversations, through our lives. That we would be an example as Hezekiah is, an example as Jesus is, to following you. God, we lift this up in your name. Amen.